Hello, it's Paul Scott here. My usual weekly roundup of the Small Cap Valley reports on Stockopedia.com that I've written with Graham Neary. Uh, we covered a new record this week. Incredibly busy, obviously, after Christmas. Uh, absolute deluge of trading updates coming out from the many companies that have 31st of December year ends. Uh, we covered 46 companies this week. There were some mid-caps in there as well. We like to look at the... Um, trading updates immediately after Christmas from retailers, house builders, things like that. More for macro read-across. We don't go into any detail. So, yeah, 46 companies. Now, of those, uh, I note that seven are ahead of expectations and there were eight profit warnings, uh, mostly in line, in other words. And that's just in, in the universe of stocks that we actually covered on Stockopedia this week. So um, I'm, I've got tons to cover this week, so I'm going to really rattle through these. I say that every week, and it never happens. Uh, Monday 9th of January, Graham looked at there was a big profit warning from FDEV, which is Frontier Developments, a uh, computer gaming company. Massive profit miss, only just above break-even, so Graham gave his thoughts on that. There was also uh, an update from DEVO, another computer games company that Graham looked at. I looked at uh, NBR. BWNG. Now, this announced on Monday it's resolved its legal case with the insurance company Alliance. Now, I've got mixed feelings on this. I mean, yes, it removes a big uncertainty, but the settlement is 50 million quid or 49.5 million quid, which for a company with a market cap of about, I think it's about 120 ish, that's a big chunk of change. And the balance sheet provision was much lower. I think it was around about 30 million. These are just rough figures. Uh, now, they were at pains to point out they've got the liquidity to cover this, so I don't think it presents an existential threat. But um, anyway, um, the only real attraction with uh, N Brown shares is that they're trading at a huge discount to net tangible asset value. Uh, it doesn't really make any actual profit. I think it's a pretty pretty lousy business, if I'm honest. But other people may disagree. That's fine. That's what makes a market. Next, um, I looked at Nano, which is N-A-N-O. Now, this one, a bit of a glitch here. This The company's called Nanoco. Um, it announced on Friday last week that it had settled, quite a triumphant announcement, settled its litigation with Samsung, which has gone against Samsung, a uh, negotiated settlement. But then on Monday, it put out another update saying, um, you know, don't get carried away with the settlement figure effectively. That's me paraphrasing it. Uh, still uncertain, and they need, I think, 30 more days to negotiate the, the terms. Um, and the shares have given back a, a pretty much all the spike up on the Friday's um, update. So I think this has been really badly handled by the company and its advisors. So... Again, from my point of view, I haven't got enough information, so I'm neither bullish nor bearish because I don't have the information I need to value the shares. Now, next I looked at Anpario, A-N-P. This was a profit warning um, saying it's missing December 2022 financial year-end forecast by about 25%. Uh, it's got a lovely balance sheet, nice, steady, profitable company, but the valuation's way too high, I think, on about 30 times. It's not a growth company. Um, it doesn't seem to really go anywhere. Um, and I think, it, 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 you know, it's animal feeds, which must be a vast global market, and it's only doing a tiny bit of business in, in a niche in there for supposedly healthier animal foods. I, I don't understand why it's rated at anywhere near what it is rated at. I wouldn't be interested in it 
even at half the current price with Amperio. Even though it's a, ni- it's a nice enough little business, but you've got to be able to buy things that are at a sensible valuation, haven't you? Reader comments on Monday were amazing again. Uh, we had discussions on Crestchick. A couple of readers noticed uh, Planet X and Michael T noticed that um, a major shareholder was in- increasing their stake and was speculating whether they might be trying to derail the bid or possibly um, try and block it or, or force a higher price, which is possible. So that could be quite interesting. We like Crestchick, L-O-A-D. All sorts of interesting uh, comments about Lord Lee's latest disclosable holdings. I've got to give a shout out to David J. Hill as well, one of our favourite subscribers, who's posted some really excellent reader comments this week, including some of his investing themes for 2023. I thought that was very interesting. Thanks, David. Also, Wolf Spirit gave us some uh, deeper analysis of Frontier Developments. Thank you for that. And as always, a huge thanks to Mr. Contrarian for his early morning snapshots. How he covers so many companies in less than an hour, I have no idea. He's just brilliant at um, quickly analysing all the information. So his his reports have been uh, uh, just invaluable this week with such a huge number of companies reporting. So thanks again, Alan. It's brilliant. Also, quite prolific posts from R.D. Howarth and Tommy H. You always talk sense, guys, so thanks for your comments. Much appreciated. I just want to mention a few of the subscribers because these reports are not just about me and Graham. You know, we we do the conversation starter articles and then it's the readers who really often get stuck into greater detail, which is what it's all about, and it's fantastic. Team effort. Oh, I should also say thank you for all the thumbs up for my 2023 watch list, top 20 ideas for value and GARP shares that I posted on Sunday last weekend. Got absolutely loads of thumbs, about 250 of them, I think, from readers. So you obviously really like that uh, concept. So I'm going to do a second follow up article just after I finish this podcast today or tomorrow with another 20 uh, watch list share ideas for 2023. And thank you to everyone who added your own watch lists and comments and portfolio updates after my um, post, which was what I wanted you to do. So thank you very much. That I haven't read through them all yet, but I'm going to do that later. This is turning into a bit of a love-in, isn't it, between me and the readers? But why not? We do love you. <laughs> Right, moving on to Tuesday. This was an absolutely manic day. Uh, I can remember it just being deluged with updates, but we covered 10 of them. Uh, a lot of them were just doing brief sections because uh, it takes too long to write the in-depth sections. We can only cover about five or six companies if we do long sections. I looked at so Sandar. This put out a trading update. As regulars know, this is one of my um, favourite long-term shares, even though the share price hasn't really done that much over the last few years but um, the company is trading so well I think so it's Q3 update was for the three months to December Uh, the key line is it's trading in line with expectations for March 23 year end which they give guidance for 43 million revenues 2 million profit before tax Um, there's not many adjustments in the accounts either it's very clean with no uh, fixed assets or intangibles to speak of Um, I thought that was pretty good and the cash position was up slightly uh, to 4.6 million so it shouldn't need another fundraise but the interesting thing is the reader comments um, were more bearish actually some of you um, posted some excellent uh, analyses of the 
sort of working out on a spreadsheet the quarter by quarter growth and so on and you, uh, put, several of you pointed out that the growth is slowing I think that was really uh, a very good point well made thank you but I think the fact that it's trading in line with expectations says to me well that's what they factored into the forecast so and of course you can't grow at 75 percent compound for long you know it slows to 30 percent 20 percent type type of thing doesn't it uh, also, I think Sassanda's talking about international expansion now, which they have mentioned before, um, low risk because it'll be through overseas partners. So I think that could tur- turbocharge um, the share price. And it's shrugging off the uh, consumer downturn because it's got affluent customers, a differentiated product and so on. So, so far, so good with Sassanda. But I can understand 50 million market cap, big question mark over consumer demand maybe it should you know maybe there's a case for it sort of treading water in terms of share price for the time being i'm itching to get back into this one though i do want to hold it long term but just lack of money at the moment unfortunately it's frustrating next one host more m-o-r-e the owner of tgi's Oh dear, what can I say about this? The CEO's resigned, which I think is probably for the best, and the COO is taking over. Um, its trading update to December wasn't very good at all. Um, no change really from what they said in September. Like for like, store revenues are down 14%, and that's compared with pre-COVID. That's disastrous really, because over that three-year period, of course, look at how much wages have gone up by. Um, and a lot of the overheads are fixed. I think this is now in financial distress. It's got 29.5 million net bank debt. Um, FinCap reduced forecast. It's expecting a £5 million loss for um, financial year 2022. I've said before, because I turned bearish on this uh, last year, I've said before, I don't think the 2023 forecasts look credible to me. I think it's likely to have another profit warning. I'm really concerned about this, actually. I think it's um, a very high-risk share now, host more, so I'm not prepared to go near it. And I'm really sorry, I just got this one completely wrong. I didn't um, think it would suffer so much in a consumer downturn, but it's um, it's really suffering badly. So the downside case is obviously it might need to do an emergency fundraise, which... What level's that at? 80 90% discount? We've seen some cases of that happening. You know, or it could just go bust. I don't know. I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't. At some point, you know, the host mall could be a serious multi-bagger if it gets through uh, the current downturn and recovers. But it's high-risk, high-reward, I'm afraid, at the moment. I don't want to touch it unless... I'm, I'm watching, and we'll wait and see what the news flow is. Now, Card Factory, C-A-R-D, we turned positive on this one last year. Whole series of really uh, good updates. So the risk has... All receded right away, right back, I think. I don't see this as high risk anymore. They somehow managed to get through without doing a, a placing, which is incredible. The bank had been really supportive. Anyway, it's trading its socks off now. Uh, very, very impressive update. Guidance has been raised. Uh, profit guidance uh, a fair bit. What's that, 20 or 30% increase? Yeah, really, really like Card Factory. And it's not expensive, even though the shares have gone up a lot. I think it's actually, you can justify the current valuation. But obviously where shares have shot up a hell of a lot, inevitably people are going to be banking profits, aren't they? So, um, but yeah, I think I think Card Factory, well done to the people who spotted that. You You know, you picked a winner and it's doing well. Tecmar, very, very interesting special situation, which we flagged up on the 22nd of December. Uh, It started winning a load of uh, quite big new contracts, which is 
excellent given that it's really quite financially distressed and so this one is high risk Techmar TGP but I think it looks very interesting it's risen about 75% since we flagged it in December um, because of these these contract wins so it looks interesting I think uh, only for risk tolerant microcap investors as I flagged up um, yeah one Disco, uh, another contract win with a telecoms company. Now, I should disclose, I've actually sold my very small position in Saga, and I've used the money to buy some One Disco. Um, I think it is speculative. I don't know how you value it, but it just keeps putting out these amazing contract win announcements. Um, something's going on there that's that's really significant, I think. So um, I just, a bit of a punt. Um, 600-odd million market cap looks bonkers terrible historic performance but it's these contract win announcements that are just coming thick and fast so i've had a bit of a punt on that uh, scs has bought uh, a failed online competitor that looks quite interesting because they paid next to nothing to the administrator to buy it and i think they've got something quite um, quite good there and then shoe zone i went through the final results to, for september 2022 i've also given shoe zone an enthusiastic thumbs up I think it should continue to do well in, in uh, the current financial year, ending September 23, because it looks like a similar pattern where they're setting the forecasts quite low so that they can then beat them. Value retailers are doing great at the moment because people are trading down, cost of money crisis. Uh, it's obvious, really, isn't it? Why weren't we all buying these value retailers a, years, a year ago? It's so obvious with hindsight. Well done to the, those of you who did. Um, so, yeah, I remain a fan of Shoe Zone. Graham looked at Churchill China, CHH, and AO World Dot. Now, AO World we've been really bearish on in the past, but actually it put out a, an ahead of expectations update. So I think that's that's turning around now. Finally, they've adopted a sensible commercial business strategy instead of all the tech growth company garbage that the founder used to spew out. Um, they're now actually trying to make profits. So good luck to them and um, i think they've they've finally got the right strategy going um i don't see it as being particularly value the share and i don't like all the on balance sheet liabilities relating to warranties i think there's you know maybe a lurking risk of mis-selling there so i don't like the share but you know our major reservations about it i think have now receded now graham also looked at team 17 another computer games company which put out rushed out an update in response obviously in response to the two sector profit warnings yesterday so that's quite quite uh, now team 17 reported a bit more positively than the other two I'm just uh, going through the reader comments for Tuesday's report and uh, loads of really interesting stuff again. Thanks to everyone who contributed. I should have mentioned particularly Abtan, who put up one of his spreadsheets for Sosandar. He often puts up these really, really good spreadsheets that just um, dissect, you know, trading updates and will work out Q1 and Q2 and so on from by deducing it from the previous updates. It's very, very thorough and very interesting. Um, so he flags up the growth at Sosandar there and how it's slowing. So that was really interesting. Thanks, Abtan. I should also mention Boone, who uh, always posts interesting comments uh, as usual. Thank you for those, Boone. And B&B, who chucked in his ideas on uh, Robert Walters and the S3. Very helpful. Thank you. Right, on to Wednesday. This was a crazy day. We covered 14 companies. God, 
I'll really rattle through these fast. Cambridge Cognition, COG. I hold this one personally in line with expectations. And interesting acquisition. So I, I looked at that on, on Wednesday. Warpaint, W7L, a positive trading update, ahead of expectations from this makeup company. Now, I've reached out to them, as you might know, where I particularly rate a company and it's trading well and the valuation's reasonable and the balance sheet's good. Those are my criteria. I reach. I often, if I've got time, I reach out to them and ask to speak to management. And Warpaint initially said, oh, can you come back and speak to us after the results are published in April? But then they changed their mind and said, actually, yeah, we'd love to talk to you. So I'm hoping to do one of my CEO interviews on that, which I'll publish next week. So watch out for that, where I'm, I'm really just going to ask them specific questions to try and drill into why is the business outperforming and is that sustainable? That's essentially what the whole thing will be about. I don't want to get into the detail. Uh, Reach. Now, this put out a profit warning, the, Trini- the old Trinity Mirror uh, newspapers group. Uh, I think the valuation is looking interesting on this, so this is worth having a look at. But obviously, app, re- app revenues are slowing down, uh, uh, down 20% in Q4. Isn't that to be expected? Why is the mar- in, a, in a recession, why is the market surprised about that? I think, I, again, I am worried about the market at the moment because it's, it's, it's almost got euphoric this week and last week, and everything seems to be shooting up. But then it, you get profit indiscriminately, but then you get profit warnings and they go back down again. Some of them do. So this is these price moves, I think, are not uh, based on um, insiders buying and companies doing well. I think it's just almost random buying uh, by person or persons unknown. And then you've got just as much risk of seeing a, a profit warning as a as an ahead of head of expectations update. So I think you've got to be really careful about not reading too much into current rather exaggerated price moves. Next, Surface Transforms SCE put out um, a warning that they've had some production glitches in November and December. The market shrugged it off. <coughs> I think everybody knows that you know when you're trying to roll out a complex product from scratch, there are bound to be teething problems. It doesn't sound as if they're serious. The main point is it's got huge demand for the product. That's what matters, I think. So I like this company, but I don't know how to value it. What do we have next? Oh, I looked at Sainsbury's. They put out a strong Christmas update uh, towards the top end of profit forecast. It's a mid-cap. Looks quite interesting. I mean, I I generally shy away from supermarkets because of the threat from Aldi and Lidl, who, of course, are expanding and do undercut them on price. Um, But, you know, I'm, I'm wondering whether actually supermarkets might be quite a good place to be because they're passing obviously food inflation is is very high well into into mid-teens digits i believe and they're passing that on so even though volumes are down it feeds through and we had a good reader discussion about this we do you are seeing quite good revenue increases which means they can afford to pay staff more and so yeah, I think supermarkets are actually quite interesting in a higher inflationary environment. Uh, JD Sports love the update there. That's JD Dot. I, I like that one. Thumbs up from um, a very superficial view. Kids are obviously very happy to pay high prices for fancy trainers, and JD Sports I think has got impressive international growth as well. So I like that one. Uh, I mentioned that Boohoo apparently is having a sort out of its London head office. I think they're having real growing pains digesting the acquired brands. So I'm I'm currently neutral on Boohoo. I want to see what they say at the next update. I also picked up from the trade press that they're slowing their refunds from 
two weeks to three weeks. Well, that's what companies do when they're financially stressed. So I am starting to get worried about Boohoo. You might say stable door on horses. Yeah, yeah, I take the point. Uh, Phrases is relaunching the misguided brand that it bought from the administrator. It's doing concessions in stores, so that's potentially interesting. Now, direct line insurance DLG shares crashed 27%. On uh, again, it's a mid cap um, profit warning and cancellation of the dividends due to higher claims. I wonder whether that's just swings and roundabouts. You know, insurers have good seasons and bad seasons, don't they? Might be an interesting one. But the dividend yield was almost 10%, so I can understand people ditching the shares when your 10% dividend suddenly vanishes. Um, I don't really know anything much about insurers. Admiral dropped 9% in sympathy. And I actually, that was the trigger for me ditching my Saga shares, funnily enough. But I was expecting read across, and Saga shares have doubled from the recent low. So I just thought, well, I'll wait and see what the next update from Saga is, in which is quite soon. And I'll make a decision then whether or not to buy back in. So it's not binary. We don't have to be wedded to these things or married to them in any shape or form. You know, you can you can take a break from a share or top slice positions and then buy back in or, or whatever. I think this long term buy and hold strategy has not served me well at all. It's been a disaster, actually. So I am thinking more in terms about being a little bit more active with some of my positions, although I don't actually have many positions at the moment. Uh, Lookers, L-O-O-K, one of the car dealers, raised its profit guidance by 10% for 2022. So they still... The car dealers are still doing well, and I, f- I feel this is a really, really good value sector because the forecasts for 2023 already factor in a huge drop in earnings. So that should mean that even though bumper profits are likely to recede, they'll still be putting out positive trading updates, saying, actually, yeah, we're, we're trading in line or ahead of market expectations. So, And they're so beautifully asset-backed with freehold property as well. Yeah, I really like the, the car dealers and the house builders <clears throat> for a similar sort of reason. Um, Graham looked at Nichols, the soft drinks group, um, Hostel World as well, interesting company. AB Dynamics, he looked at... 10 Entertainment, the bowling uh, company is doing great still. So loads of interesting stuff there. I haven't really got time to look at the reader comments because we're running out of time. Now, Thursday, again, we looked at about, I think, 14, no, 12 companies. Um, I circled back to Tortilla, uh, ticker MEX. This is the burrito chain that's expanding, 39 million market cap. It suddenly spiked up on a... On an update that was only in line with market market expectations, and it trumpets EBITDA of four million. But if you work through the numbers, that's only basically break even when you include the depreciation charge and the finance cost. And you can't just ignore those costs; they're real costs. Uh, although I appreciate, you know, the cash generation is closer to EBITDA. Uh, this is starting to look interesting. I have to say, they bought my favourite burrito chain, Chilango, out of administration. Um, and uh, I mystery shopped it as well for another time. I've mystery shopped it four or five times. Always very nice. Uh, big portion sizes, tasty food, reasonable prices. I do like this, but it's so difficult to make money in the fast food sector. And I don't think there's necessarily that much advantage to t- Tortilla Mexican Grill, is the full name of the company, to them scaling up further. They've already got about 80 sites. So if it's not really making any profit at 80 sites... Is it going to make profit 160 or 200 sites? 
maybe, I don't know, on a low margin basis. So I think we've got to be a little bit careful about not chasing this one too high. Um, but I've actually got the company reached out to me and said, well, well the PR did rather, and asked if I'd like a, a get-to-know-you type call with management. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that's booked in for, or we're going to book it in for the next week. That's not a, a public audio interview. It's just in a, But I, I think if I like it, I'll offer them a, a public uh, interview as well. So uh, that's quite interesting. N Brown, I touched on earlier, that put out a Q3 trading update in line with market consensus. Um for uh financial year ending to 2023 but they said expecting the market to be soft in the following year which uh, starts on the 1st of march 2023 uh it emphasizes the strong balance sheet and so on the market didn't like this but uh yeah the shares dropped back a bit no divvies you know as as i say i just don't rate n brown at all but there could be a takeover bid from the controlling family maybe there could be a rebound trade on it so i'm you know i'm just really looking at the long-term fundamentals i don't think it's a very good business it's tying up all this capital that it's not generating a return from so you almost think to yourself is there some way they could orderly wind down the business and distribute the cash but I think I don't know. It's uh, that 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 makes sense where you've got a discount to a tangible net asset value of sixty odd percent or whatever, doesn't it? Um, but the big question is: is that big debtor receivables book um, as good as the uh, the audited figures suggest? You know, they where you're where you're selling stuff to customers when you know a large percentage of them are going to default. Getting that bad debt provision right is absolutely crucial. And as we still saw with studio retail, um, get the figures wrong um, and um, all hell can break loose. Although N Brownie has a much, much stronger balance sheet than studio retail did. So I think the risk of insolvency at N Brownie is, is, looks to me to be minimal. Uh, Port Merion, I like. That was a good update. Halfords now profit warning down twenty percent from Halfords. Um, I don't think it's um, at any risk of insolvency, but they are guiding down um, the profit guidance. So fifteen to twenty percent cut in profit guidance. They've had this boom from the cycling, haven't they? During the uh, during the pandemic, that seems to be fizzling out. So um, no great shock there, I don't think. ASOS. Now this was interesting. The shares really shot up. Big bounce in ASOS. But what I thought was a cleverly worded update. You know, they're basically, if you dig into it, they're doing really badly. Um, but they're saying that um, they're going to have a miraculous improvement in performance in H two. Uh, the year end is August twenty twenty three. So I've described this announcement as a triumph of PR over facts, I think, or something like that. Um, but, you know, maybe, I mean, I've, I've been hoping for a recovery in the online e-commerce bombed out sector now. Uh, and it looks like it's actually happening now. Although I was a year too early. <laughs> I thought that was one of my themes for 2022, wasn't it? Uh, people who uh, follow me will, will, for a while will have realised that. And yeah, I was a year too early, so unfortunately. So um, there we are. But it does look as if interest is now returning in e-commerce, bombed out e-commerce shares. I think there's rich pickings in this area, actually. I can see that ASOS shares are a good trade at the moment. I don't know about longer term, because... Um, you know, they've got serious problems, actually, but th they're talking about £300 million of profit improvements uh, they can make from doing sorting out the basics of a badly run business, I think. Uh, if they can achieve that, you know, the valuation on this thing really could um, 
could reset at a much higher level. So I think with four billion revenues, each one percent uh, margin, gross margin improvement, um, is forty million quid, isn't it? And ASOS has a very low gross profit margin because it it shifts a lot of other people's gear. It sells on behalf of the brands. Um, so if they can get that gross margin up and strip out a ton of cost. ASOS could get really interesting. Um, I'm not going to buy into the current spike. I'll see where it settles. Uh, Morse's Club MCL says it's going to delist. Um, Distill put out a terrible update. That's another um, nano cap, which I think will have to raise more money, so I'm avoiding that. Virgin Wines, unfortunately, uh, put out a profit warning. Half and half between sort of self-inflicted internal problems and external problems. That's dropped a lot, down 26%. I still think it's quite a nice business, but it's, you know, the profit, EBIT's all all very well quoting their EBITDA margin, but if you look at the actual profit, it's now forecast to only be 1.8 million. Uh, It was 5.3 million last year, so there's quite a big profit warning. I can't see any reason to particularly get involved in that one at this stage. Um, Graham looked at Trustpilot, uh, ZAR, X-A-R, uh, Jim, G-Y-M, that's looking a bit wobbly. Uh, XP Power. Uh, okay, that's that for Thursday. Okay, Friday, as usual, I, I did the report solo because it's usually quieter. I covered five companies. Revolution Beauty, R-E-V-B, which is currently suspended, put out a fascinating update. I think everyone who's interested in companies and business and the stock market should have a look at that update because it, they've basically had... Uh, Effectively, the figures were be uh, fraudulently misstated, and trading updates were as well. And this, um, it's been investigated independently by a team of lawyers and accountants, and so on. This report dishes all the dirt and says what actually happens. It is fascinating um, and worrying, really. Um, so do have a look at that. Shares remain suspended, but they're hoping to bring them back. It doesn't look bust. The bank's being supportive. I think it could come back from from um, suspension, that one. Uh, now, MJ Gleason, GLE, I hold this share personally. I managed to buy some pretty near the lows, so I'm rather pleased with that. Only a small opening position, so I can see how it goes. Put a trading update out on Friday, which... Um, this is a classic glass half full or glass half empty. It's a, it's a small house builder in the Midlands and North, which does really cheap uh, entry-level small houses with an average selling price of only 170 grand. Not flats, houses. But they're cleverly designed to be really compact. Um, anyway, obviously demand's down. You know, we all know that because of all the macro picture and the other bigger house builders are all saying the same thing but the shares in this sector are so cheap now a lot of them are well below net tangible asset value so unless you're expecting a complete economic catastrophe then the house builders pretty much the whole sector i think is great value um and i think you know if you just sit there and do nothing over the next two years as you know the markets always recover um, and, and we've got more interventionist governments now as well, I think, who are maybe there'll be some resumption of the help to buy scheme, whatever, I don't know. But that would probably target people at the lower end, which is what Gleason supplies. Also, there's an interesting angle on the, the windfall tax type thing, a 4% tax, I think, 
on a, on the bigger house builders. It's above, I think, a fifty million profits threshold. So it would affect Gleason I, not at all, I think. Whereas it would affect the earnings of the other ones. Amazing balance sheet at Gleason. Anyway, um, despite the obviously the, the cautious noises about uh, reduced order book um, cancellation rates have actually which were quite bad in um, October, November, have since reduced in, in the last six, week, six weeks, improved, in other words. So I think there's early signs of maybe the panic receding. I, w- I wouldn't say so much as a recovery. Um, but you've got such strong balance sheet protection, you don't really have to wor- worry about that, I think, with Gleason. So I love that share. And anyway, it bounced about 8% on Friday, which I'm really pleased about. So, yeah, very happy with that one. I also looked at Likewise, the uh, fast-growing carpet distributor run by the old head of Headlam, H-E-A-D. Uh, L-I-K-E is the ticker, uh, in line with expectations. I think it's quite interesting. I've given it a tentative thumbs up. I'm hoping to speak to management on that one as well to get a bit more understanding of the business. Uh, Graham looked at Win. No, sorry, that was me. I looked briefly at Win Canton. Uh, it did guide down for year-ending that begins 1st of April 2023, ends March 2024. Libram put out a revised update that put down the forecast by 6%. Thanks so much to Libram, Singers, FinCap, WH Island and the other um, brokers that do give us some broker notes on Research Tree. It's incredibly helpful. Um, I know sometimes they can only put out the front page because they're paying institutional clients, obviously, uh, wouldn't pay for the research if they give it away free to us. That's the, the conflict they have. But, you know, getting out just the front page is really helpful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I like Wynn Canton. I think it's it's cheap, really well-run business. Don't like the balance sheet, but I don't think um, there's an existential problem there. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think that one's on my top 20 list of value carp uh, ideas, my watch list for 2023 from memory, and it remains. Uh, well, I'm not I'm not changing the watch list. It's fixed now. Uh, I also looked at Dialite profit warning down down 19 percent. It's too unpredictable. This company. I don't know. I don't know um, how to value it. And it's it, notice it's got a, a litigation that's incurred 1.2 million costs in 2022, which I don't like. Um, so I'm avoiding Dialite, I'm afraid. So there we are. Gosh, all the uh, huge number of uh, individual companies there. No mystery shares this week, because I don't think there was anything that really massively grabbed me, although within that there are probably four or five I think are pretty good. Now, my main point this week, this week onto the macro points, is obviously market uh, a bit of market comments. Obviously, the last two weeks in particular, but also... November, December, we've had really quite strong recoveries um, in lots and lots of small caps. Um, And it's getting, it it felt almost like a a euphoric frenzy this week. Some staggeringly large uh, bounces, indiscriminate, I would say. I don't think it's because insiders necessarily know that uh, everything's going well. And the reason I say that is that we're getting profit warnings. And if you look at the charts of the companies with profit warnings, they've been bouncing strongly in the last uh, month or two as well. So, you know, I think people who are looking at the charts and seeing that everything seems to have gone through the 50-day moving average, and I think you've maybe got a lot of momentum traders diving back in, possibly. I don't know, but it's a pity that we don't have to fill in a form to say why we're buying shares, isn't it? But you just have to guess. 
So the big thing, I think the big thing I'm thinking is just because these shares are shooting up tremendously, a lot of them, doesn't mean they're going to stay up. You know, I think you'll get a lot of people who want to bank the profits and, you know, we could see things uh, drifting back down again. So I think it'll be interesting to monitor over the next few weeks which shares hang on to these huge sudden gains that we've seen recently and which ones where people just bank the money and move on. To my mind, I think it's sensible to top slice. If you've not had an update, a trading update from a company, and it's gone up 50% or something, I think it makes sense to to bank some of the the profits. Anyway, that's what I did with Saga. I just thought, well, it's doubled on no news from the low. So I'd rather just, you know, pop it in the bank, uh, or the reduced loss, I should say, <laughs> not a, not an actual profit, then I'll reassess it when the update comes out. So, uh, as always, you know, everyone's got their own way of doing things, so I'm not giving advice here, as always. It's just, just opinions, you know. So I've noted this week, you know, my theme for the week, snakes and ladders. <laughs> you know, everything's going up, then bang, you hit a, a snake and profit warnings and things plummet. So, I don't know. I just don't know how to read this market. I don't know if it's another bear market rally or not. Or the start of a new bull market. Who knows? Uh, we had news this week uh, on business energy bills. From April, there's going to be reduced government support. So there'll no longer be a cap. Um, but they're going to offer discounts on the wholesale prices, apparently, of energy. Um, now, the hospitality sector uh, says this is going to really hurt them. And uh, the Propel newsletter, as always, very, very interesting. Although they seem to get embroiled in some huge row about transgender rights and all this sort of thing. Why on earth they got into that? I do not know. I think diversity and inclusion is all great um, up to a point and so on. But it is it can be political and it polarises opinion. I just don't think it's worth getting into any of these debates when you're discussing business and shares, you know, um, but anyway, that's my view. The business energy bills, what was I saying on that? Oh, yeah. Uh, the only thing is the wholesale prices of electricity and gas have really tumbled, um, helped by the mild weather. And also, apparently in Europe, the, the the gas storage facilities are still nearly full. A lot of I saw some graphs about liquid natural gas being brought in, being imported from abroad, which is replacing a lot of the... Uh, Russian gas that was previously used. So it's like all these things, gradually over time, these crises do seem to get resolved, don't they? I'm not saying it's all resolved, but uh, um, hopefully this could be a positive theme for 2023 and 2024. If you get much more stable and lower energy prices, that could, you know, last year's headwinds um, for for companies that use lots of energy could be this year's tailwind. Um, Same with freight costs, same with forex um, problems. You've got all these um, big headwinds last year that that do now seem to be turning into tailwinds. So that could be what's fueling a lot of um, with a with a time lag. Obviously, those things eventually feed through to profits. You know, you could be there could be um, good reasons for expecting uh, this this bull run to be based on natural expectations uh, on you know on something solid for economic recovery and uh, although we're not out of the woods but everybody knows that and we also now are getting more and more data showing that inflation is is going to rapidly reduce in 2023 um, you know that's not my opinion that's based on the forecasts and models that I've looked at the ECB for example is uh, put out an update last week saying uh, it expects inflation to quite rapidly reduce so inflation this does actually look like an inflation spike um, that is 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 receding now, beginning to recede. 
which is 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 pretty bullish for bonds, equities, and and property, isn't it? So maybe we've overreacted to the inflation issues. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, I think another reason why with small caps that the uh, price rises are quite random is you don't know who's selling in the background. I think I am still worried about uh, institutional sellers who've had uh, quite a lot of redemptions, potentially. If you've got an underperforming small caps fund that's maybe being closed down or has a new manager in and so on, or is just trying to raise cash for redemptions, they'll be trying to sell their weakest holdings. And that can mean that you can have sellers in the background snuffing out price rises from speculative buyers. So it's, and it's all, so I think monitoring the 3% shareholdings and Announcements in stocks that you're interested in is is worthwhile, but as I've discovered previously when I did some action groups and, and paid for the shareholder register, there's an absolute army of institutions below the three percent shareholders who who can also be active. So you don't necessarily know who's buying or selling in the background, um, but it makes it very very difficult to decide which shares are likely to fall back from recent bursts of enthusiasm and which ones are going to hold. Because, as, as I say, you just don't know what, what shareholders are doing in the background and, and why. But redemptions is still likely to be an issue, although I saw from the latest update from Premier Mighton, which is one of my uh, favourite shares for this year, we got in there in the Small Cap Value Report before it was tipped by a number of people and newspapers for their their uh, favourite share for 2023. We got that in, I think, in early December, flagging up the uh, excellent value in Mighton shares, Premier Mighton shares. Their latest update, which I didn't report on, I think said that the um, assets under management has now stabilised. So maybe people, given these strong rebounds, maybe the customer redemptions might um, stop now, which would be good, wouldn't it? Even better if they turn into inflows and uh, institutional small cap holders turn buyers, I hope. Uh, oh, sorry, I thought I'd press pause. Um, yeah, so I've got here buying frenzy, question mark. It has felt a bit frantic in the last fortnight. I'm not buying into these big spikes on anything personally, but, uh, you know, we wait for the trading update and see if the big rises are justified. I think in, in a lot of cases, I think they might well give back some of these sudden big vertical price moves on on no actual updates. Oh, I just made a note here. If in a way, this reminds me of the market recovery in 2009. And what I found then was I did really, really well in 2009 after a terrible, terrible, disastrous year in 2008. Um, uh, what I found and what I remember from 2009 is that the best shares were things that hadn't moved. So when everything is suddenly starts soaring on recovery hopes... I was digging around in 2009 for things that had similar traits, but where there hadn't been any share price movement at all. And those were often like coiled springs, and you'd suddenly get a big catch-up in those sorts of shares. So I think, you know, as long as the fundamentals are good, those are the sorts of shares where you could uh, do well right now, because I see similar market conditions. So looking at the overlooked stuff... Um, I think is better than necessarily chasing the things that have gone bananas already. So far from the updates, anyway, it's starting to make me think maybe this economic recession is not going to be as bad as people think. Although I think you've got to temper that with the thought that actually maybe it's the winners who report first (laughs) and the profit warnings might follow. But overall, so far, I have been surprised at how many 
um, inline updates we're, we're getting and um, how many uh, ahead of expectations updates as well. Not as many profit warnings as I've expected so far, but a lot of companies will still be reconciling the numbers and waiting for the management accounts and so on. So we'll get plenty more profit warnings, I think. Now I've put here shares might need to consolidate, don't get carried away. I think that's a memo to self, really. Um, these big rises in the last two or three months, I think it's looking a bit overdone. And as I mentioned before, for several of the companies that have sold off on profit warnings, like, for example, Direct Line Insurance and several others, the share prices had been strong and had been rebounding. So uh, uh, to reinforce this point I made earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean the company's trading well just because the share's going up, because we're getting profit warnings from companies where the shares have been going up as well. Oh, back on energy as well, I've jotted down here that the household energy bill price cap is is now forecast to fall uh, and the forecasts um, are that it's going to go to 3,300 in April and 2,478 in July but bear in mind that in October 21 it was about half that 1,277 so it looks like energy prices yes are have peaked and are coming down for consumers as well but are still double uh, the level that they were in 2021. Although I expect like lots of people, lots of us are using less now. I've got used to um, sitting in a room where it's 18 degrees instead of 21 degrees and I'm wearing a gilet now to keep myself warm and it's perfectly comfortable. You get used to it. Another reason why consumer spending could remain uh, better than expected, I picked up um, for that the national living wage is to rise 9.7% on the 1st of April 2023 and I think there are signs that um, younger people in particular are still spending and if they're getting a 9.7% pay rise uh, in April maybe that could continue and I think you've got less to worry about your energy bills if you're living with your parents for example which a lot of people younger people do or they're at uni Um, yeah so I I think we should question this doom and gloom narrative and whether it's actually going to be as bad as we think. And also by now, we've seen from companies how they're coping um, with the with, with difficult conditions. And some are obviously coping much better than others. So um, maybe it's worth paying a little bit more for the companies that are trading OK. I'm not sure about the hospitality sector. Though. The whole sector just looks awful, doesn't it? Although I'm sticking with XP Factory, we'll see uh, what their trading update is like. It's lost about a third of its value recently, but no update, so I don't know how it's trading. Oh, this was interesting about the US economy. Uh, Commodity-driven inflation has disappeared. I saw a graph where it, which was emailed um, from one of the big uh, commentary companies. Commodity-driven inflation in the US peaked to 18% uh, at the end of 2021. It's now down to zero. Isn't that interesting? So... Um, you know, you're obviously going to have the follow-on effect of of inflation, aren't you, in services and so on. But again, inflation seems to be rapidly receding as an issue. I've got to thank Decon85, one of the subscribers, who showed me how to use pop-up notes in uh, one of the articles. This is on the Google Drive spreadsheets that I've set up, which I think I've created a monster with these. They're taking so long to update. Um, but they are really, really useful, I think, so I'm going to try and keep those going. But thanks so much to Decon85, thanks to whom I've managed to iron out uh, some of the uh, initial glitches, and there's been loads of positive feedback about these spreadsheets, so I'm very pleased uh, lots of people are finding them useful. And if you don't find them useful, don't look at them. 
So I think that's going to be it for this week. So thank you again so much for all your contributions this week on Stockopedia. We love the reader comments. They're absolutely brilliant. And there's none of this trashy sort of uh, uh, trash-talking type uh, nonsense that you get on some other sites where uh, it's free and they don't moderate it, which just makes it much more pleasant, I think, on Stockopedia. So, and it, as always, thank you to everyone who subscribes. We really appreciate it. And things are starting to, to, to look uh, better, aren't they, for 2023? Let's hope it continues. As I always say, we'll make the money back that we lost last year, sooner or later. We've just got to keep, um, you know, keep tuned um, into the facts and figures and uh, we'll do all right long term. OK, thanks for listening and all the best. Bye. Bye.